0: Hello and welcome to your Over the Farmgate podcast brought to you by Farmers Guardian. I'm your host for this week, Farmers Guardian editor and Agri Briefing group editor, Ben Briggs. Don't forget, we'll bring you a new episode of the podcast every Tuesday. So subscribe to your favourite platform to ensure that you stay up to date. Now, sustainability is top of the agenda at the moment. With the NFU pledging the industry will be net zero by 2040 and retailers and food companies making their own commitments, it is something that will only become more important for farming. But retailers seem to be taking a radically different approach to one another on this topic. While Tesco has hit the headlines for looking to dramatically increase the amount of meat alternatives it sells, supposedly in the name of environmental concerns, or possibly commercialism if you're being cynical, Morrisons has pledged to be the first supermarket to be completely supplied by net-zero British farms by 2030, with carbon net-zero eggs expected to be on the shelves as soon as 2022. To find out more, Alex Black spoke to the team at Morrisons.
1: Looking beyond Brexit and the COVID-19 pandemic, the big focus for agri-food businesses is the environment. And agriculture is in a unique position as not only an emitter of greenhouse gases, but also being able to sequester carbon on-farm. This week, Morrison's announced that it will become the first British supermarket to be completely supplied by net-zero carbon British farms by 2030. That's five years ahead of the rest of the market. Morrison's has around 3,000 farmers and growers and expects to be able to offer net zero carbon eggs as early as 2022, followed by lamb, fruit, vegetables, pork and beef in the years to follow. I caught up with their head of agriculture, Sophie Throop, about their plans.
2: So today we're really pleased to be uh, making our pledge to be Um, supplied by Net Zero Farms into manufacturing by 2030. So by um, those, we mean the farms that we work with directly, um, so who supplies with interwood heads and Chippendale foods and growers. So our beef, pork, lamb, eggs and root vegetable farms. Um, And it's uh, it's an important important commitment. We know it's a stretching and ambitious commitment, but nevertheless, uh, the right thing to do to try and think about how we work together to to talk about and address um, the matters of climate change and also find opportunities for celebrating the best of british farming uh, and how we can sort of um, go grow sustainable food that our customers want to buy
1: you're not the only supermarket that's made a commitment to to going net zero um, on farming but you're going to be achieving it hopefully five years earlier how are you going to be doing that
2: so at uh, Morrison's, um, we are that little bit more different to other retailers, I guess. In that fact, we are manufacturers as well as retailers. Um, and, uh, and so I think we're actually Britain's biggest food, ma- fresh food manufacturer now. So that means that we've got a really direct relationship with the farmers that we buy from direct, but from, that we farmers that we buy from. So um, that we, uh, we sort of are literally talking to farmers every day and we know that, net zero is something that's on the tip of their tongues and their minds as well ever since really the NFU made its net zero pledge back in 2040 there's been a lot of um, our farmer suppliers and indeed us you know looking at this and thinking right how are we going to get there what are we going to do Um, and so we've been doing a lot of work over these past um, sort of year or so to try and look at this and to get some of the best brains behind it as well because you know it is a it's a tough challenge but we need some extra help so we've been working for example with some really cracking vets that we've got lined up we've we're working closely with harper adams university and in particular professor michael lee uh, with uh, with natural england and climate uh, catchment sensitive farming and with the guys at map of ag um, as well so because they really know their stuff and are very practical and can help us and our farmers put some shape and some structure and some governance around ideas um to help us get to um to net zero
1: how's it going to work for your farmers practically
2: so we're doing this um by trying to sort of work with farmers to test it out so we have been you know doing sort of measurement uh, exercises for a little while now as you can imagine but in 2021 we're going to be launching a couple of things really firstly um a net zero test and trial beef farm you know we recognize that beef is probably one of those challenging areas of getting right here you know a, a cow is a cow is always going to emit methane but how we can sort of manage those emissions and take that down as low as possible is really important. So we're looking at one particular net zero beef farm where we're going to throw the time and talents of all these fantastic experts with our farmers at it to try and build that blueprint model that we can share. But then we're also going to be building a whole network of project farms as well to be able to cascade that learning, but also importantly, bring in lots of other ideas that are coming up from our farmer's base that we can test and trial and structure again. And then importantly, all of this work is going to be wrapped into what we're going to do with Harper Adams University. So, I'm very, very um, passionate about training and education and skills and research and to be able to work with Harper to be able to sort of put together some of, and, uh, some of those online modules, but also working with vets like uh, RAF Solutions to try and bring in together what those practical skills will be helps us to scale it up really and give farmers some confidence, education, knowledge. Um, both within our supply chain, but also more widely, you know, across the industry um, to try and uh, help
1: everybody get supported on this
2: road to net zero.
1: Obviously, some of these things are going to cost money to do. How are you working with farmers to, to fund these projects?
2: Yeah, sure. So for, for this, this is about us putting our money where our mouth is, really. You know, we're not just doing this as a big ask, but we are investing a significant amount of money over this next year or so. in Because uh, in, this these sort of like uh, expertise, you know, needs to be paid for um, and, in, and invested onto farms because we know it's the right thing to do. So, so we are um, helping do that and helping support that journey to get this started and catalyse this activity in action. Um, there's also, of course, you know, agriculture, as you, as, you, as we all know, is changing over these next sort of like five, seven years, and there's going to be other sort of ways that public funding kind of comes in to uh, to help support some of their particular land management points points as well. So we're going to be we're keeping a sort of an open mind and open dialogue on things like that. Um, and also, you know, sometimes, and I appreciate it's not everything, but sometimes some of these changes to lower emissions are also about making business more profitable as well. So with a combination of investing in research and training, you know, in thinking about the role of public funding, but also in how we can make help make farm businesses more profitable, it's a hopefully that combination that will make it long term sustainable economically as well as environmentally.
1: Sorry. And I know you mentioned that it's uh, at the forefront of your farmers' minds at the moment. Is this a big demand from your customers at the other end?
2: It is it is definitely I mean we um, we ask and talk with our customers all the time as you as you will imagine, um, but uh, we also do a big sort of annual corporate responsibility reports every single year I have done for about five or six years really for the past few years supporting British farmers has been number three on their you know things that they think we need to get right as a business and all other things that sort of like um, they are thinking about is associated with a with a responsible business. Actually, this year, Supporting British Farmers has gone to number two, so really interesting how after this year of pandemic you know that's gone up a place but we also know customers ask every year about animal welfare and increasingly they're asking about climate they're asking about us to help them um, choose sustainably sourced food you know to sort of think about how that food is produced in in line and to benefit our woodlands and biodiversity and forests and to help tackle climate change and so we know this is something that's important for customers um, it's really important for us therefore and as we have discussed it's also important for farmers too so hopefully it's a way of bringing all those things together.
1: Excellent and I know uh, one of the first products you're hoping to launch is eggs if I'm correct is there, is there anything that you can tell us about you know how, how it's going with your, with your egg farmers at the moment and, and what you're expecting there?
2: yeah sure so so we've got some really innovative and really exciting farmers who work with us on our egg production um well across the chain really to be honest and lots of different products but but we're also 100 percent free range for all of our eggs which means that those hens are you know sort of like within landscapes that are already you know able to sort of carry a lot of extra grasslands um, and they've also started to you know sort of do enhanced biodiversity like sort of planting wildflowers and bee strips things like that so so it is about us enhancing those natural landscapes that are around our um, around our laying hen buildings as well as it is about thinking about where those emissions come from and obviously for hens you know the most of the emissions um, that we need to think about are embedded in feed and so we're doing a lot of work thinking about well what should that feed look like and what could it what could it look like to be able to sort of make those changes and you know we're hoping to, that we have a range available um, next year all, all being well and all going in the right direction um, because We recognise too that 2030, whilst not a long time away in terms of this ambition, is quite a long time away for a customer. So we're wanting to be able to sort of have little markers along the way so our customers can see the progress that we're making and also come with us on the journey as well.
1: And I know you mentioned before about beef is probably the area that comes most under fire at the moment for its environmental footprint. I mean, are you hoping that what you're doing can sort of signal you know, it's possible to have environmentally friendly beef despite, you know, the, the bad press that it often gets.
2: Absolutely. For us, you know, our customers love buying a lot of beef. You know, I do too, I have to say, you know, we we, we have some fantastic British beef in this country. And we also have a landscape which, you know, often only wants to support grass production and grass production that therefore can feed ruminants like beef and sheep. So, you know, we sort of see beef um, production as a really important part of a sustainable farming landscape and something that we're passionately keen to support protect and enhance you know so a lot of our beef farmers farmers are already working really really hard and thinking about how they can improve health and fertility and thinking about the breed choices that they have and the feed as well but you know again we're wanting to try and help support those ideas with things that maybe can go a bit further so that's where projects like the work that we're doing with Queen's University in Belfast when we're just starting that stages of looking at um, methane inhibitors like seaweed is really interesting you know just uh, there's never a silver bullet but there's things that can add together that can help um, uh, sort of become overall sustainable in the longer term. So, if we think about all the things that are sort of like um, contributing towards emissions footprint from a from a beef farm, it is it's obviously first about, about the cattle themselves you know about what breed you're selecting so we're looking at um, whether we're sort of thinking about smaller cattle breeds um, breeds that can perhaps finish more quickly now also those breeds that finishing more quickly has something to do with nutrition so we're thinking about how that nutrition is profiled you know how can we make that sort of most efficient but also by thinking about the feedstuffs stuffs that go into those cattle so you know make it that whether that's sort of like grasses and clovers and peas and beans as opposed to imported food. Stuffs, but also about the about the appropriate use of methane inhibitors whether they are you know the things that are already on the market at the moment or some of the newer projects that are coming in you know methane isn't on the um, seaweed inhibitors aren't on the meat market at the moment but you know it's certainly a really interesting area to look into um, and so it's just really trying to think about all those different things that can influence um, uh, sort of like um, cattle productivity, really, and a really important role for health and fertility as well. You know, the sort of sooner we can get days, um, you know, reduce age at, at first carving, reduce sort of carving intervals, um, then uh, the more productive the farm is, but also, um, you know, the, uh, the lower their emissions are as well. So that's why for us, it's really, really important to be working with leading vets, On this as well as nutritionists and academics because they can help give that sense of security really for some of those choices that you know farmers might want to make and might want to have the confidence and just extra support to talk through
1: thanks to sophie for that now with the nfu making commitments for the uk agriculture industry to go net zero by 2040 i spoke with richard findlay livestock board chairman about his reaction to morrison's pledge
3: I think the, the farming sector should welcome the, the ambition, zero ambition that the Morrisons have announced. I think there's a huge opportunity for them to work with farmers so that we can both achieve theirs and our ambitions. We can work on the getting the carbon calculators right and use ones that suit beef and sheep producers. And we also need to have recognition for for the carbon dioxide removal of grass through photosynthesis, and also the short, the short term lifespan of, of methane. And I think we'll see in the next ten years, nine years, you know, before we get to twenty thirty, we will see a lot of technology come our way. We're already they're already trialling feed additives, cattle feed additives, which early results suggest that they can reduce the amount of methane emitted by up to 30 percent so there's a lot of things in the pipeline in the next nine or ten years which will really help you know the industry and and uh, the country generally and people and retailers like Morrisons achieve these these ambitions
1: and obviously we're hearing from the retailers their commitments to, to net zero. This is something that farmers are going to ne- really need to be aware of over the next few years.
3: Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, you know, I've, I've trialled three of the most popular carbon you know, calculators. Um, a lot of people are starting to, you know, to use them or try them so that they know where they stand. And once you do that, I think there's quite a few things, certainly that we've done on this farm that you can easily do that, that automatically reduce Your carbon footprint. So I think we're, you know, we're in interesting, almost exciting times in the next nine or ten years um, with what's ahead of us, and technology and new technology that that's that's in the pipeline will help us.
1: And what part of what Morrison's is doing is to, I suppose, brand the the products when when they, you know, when they do make the switch as, you know, net net zero carbon beef or net zero carbon lamb or eggs or, or whatever the product is. Do you think that that's the way that the industry fights back against some of the negative press that beef and, and red meat is getting?
3: I think it's certainly an opportunity to to challenge some of the imports, which we know have, you know, certainly for beef, have a much higher carbon footprint, more than twice, you know, our own current carbon footprint. So, yeah, I think that's an, a huge opportunity to... to um, you know, to reduce or challenge imports and whether they should be coming in. And Morrison's is already a great supporter of, of, of British uh, produce. Um, and, and, and so, you know, we, we, we acknowledge and, and applaud them for that. Um, but this also, you know, I would suggest should hopefully cement their relationship with British producers, because our certainly for red meat, our carbon footprint is, is already much better than a lot of the exporting countries in the rest of the world.
1: Now, away from Morrison's, Tesco was also in the headlines this week with the Telegraph reporting that it was looking to encourage consumers to move away from meat and dairy consumption. According to the reports, it's looking to offer a fake meat alternative for every animal product on the shelves by 2024. Tim Bonner, chief executive of the Countryside Alliance, criticised their approach.
4: Well, I I think the issue is not that People shouldn't have choice of course of course, people should have choice um but it's the assumption um, that uh, that that these alternative these fake meats are somehow better um, than any uh, alternative option of, of real meat produced by by, by real farmers um, and yeah we we all know that there are um plenty of uh, options that people can take of of, of consuming um meat. Uh, and other products produced on sustainable farms in the uk um which are doing a huge amount of positive work for biodiversity you know cha- tackling the challenges of the environment um and producing a, a really high quality product um and there's a there's a sort of false dichotomy be, being created by some other uh some of other supermarkets in this situation but but by some of the big corporates as well that you know either your your um uh, destroying a, an Amazonian rainforest for the product to, to create a, a, you know, a, a cattle lot, um, which are go, you know, and, uh, which are going to be fed on soya growing, growing on another chunk of, uh, of of rainforest, or you eat this sludge that they create in factories, and, and you know, that's not the that is not the debate. The debate is, um, you know, can we um, uh, can we um, proudly put uh, British. Um, farm-produced produce up against um, something that is, you know, whatever it tastes like, you know comes from a f- from a factory. Yes, of course we can. Um, we should be able to do that, uh, and and actually, yeah, the, the supermarket should be promoting that. And what they should really be promoting is is the value of that, uh, and making sure there's a proper margin for for, for farmers. Um, who are producing food in the right way? Because because this all comes down to economics in the end. And I'm a, I'm a great believer, as I you know your your viewers and readers are, that that, uh, that this is about economics. And if 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 people can make a people can make a living um, producing high quality food, uh, and the consumer is willing to pay that bit extra as they should be, then then we have a bright future for, for the British farming industry and for the British countryside. Um, what what is you know what what is challenges us all is the race to the bottom, and if we're being expected to compete with people who are producing uh, food in in a different way and in a way that isn't sustainable, um, then then that's when everyone has a problem.
1: Obviously, that's um, Tesco news. We've also had news from from Morrison's and um, some commitments from Waitrose as well as others about moving to um, sourcing from net zero farms only. Yeah. Uh, Morrison's are looking to do so by twenty thirty. Do you think that that's, that's the way to go, to be looking to work with farms that are net zero and, and promoting meat that way?
4: Definitely. We should be looking at net zero, we should be looking at, at, at wider environmental standards and we should be looking at welfare standards. Um, and, uh, and But crucially, you know, I come back to the point, paying for it. You know, it has to be about uh, about profit and it has to be about sustaining um, a, 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 a livestock sector in particular, um, which... Yeah, you know, which is so critical to the countryside. The the, the, the assumption that we, we could just you know that, that we could move to to um, fake meats, to to alternatives to real meat, and that's you know and, and that would have zero impact on on, on on anything or anyone other than positive It's just nonsense. And you know the the alliance what we do here is 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 about sustainable rural communities, and and uh, and, and first first and foremost that means that they're they're um, economically sustainable. Um, and they have to be sustainable in every other way as well. But unless, unless we've got that income coming in, unless we're keeping farming families, Farms are profitable, then the whole infrastructure of large parts of the countryside starts to fall apart. Um, and so there's a real responsibility on on the major multiples when they when they when they're dealing with this. This isn't just about you know another product and you know a preference for for for, for 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 you know something that's produced in 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 one factory or another. This is about entire communities and entire landscapes. Uh, and I hope they take that responsibility seriously.
1: And. Obviously, you're dealing with your members in the countryside, you know, and we're talking about environmental goals. Is this something that's at the forefront of, of your members' minds?
3: Yeah, I don't know.
4: I think not, not always. And, and I, you know, we, we obviously leave, leave the detail of agricultural policy to our colleagues at the NFU and CLA and, and other organisations. But across all the, the issues that we deal with and the activities we deal with, you know, we, you know, I, I find more and more my job is about challenging people uh challenging people to to understand the perception um that the outside world has of them challenging them to 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 actually address this word sustainability which we chuck around but (laughs) often people don't take too seriously you know are are your activities sustainable whether you're whether we're talking about about you know farming fishing shooting hunting yeah these these activities they they need to be able to 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 stand up proudly um, to a public audience uh, and, and argue the case that they are um you know they are providing you know benefits well beyond for for people well beyond just those who are actively involved in them and they are um, and if they aren't um and but then those issues need to be addressed. But more importantly, you know, we've got to maximize the, the, the benefits that we are generating through through those activities. Um, and the, the debate in farming, which you know, we know is hugely challenging has come through Brexit and the rest of it, but it's it is the right debate to be having. Um, you know, however we define a public good, the fact is, you know, that we need to be focused on them. Um, and yeah, fundamentally, as I say, with, with all the activities we deal with it, you know, it all comes down to, to, to doing the job right, having high standards, um, producing, producing something which, which we can pr- be proud about. Uh, and if we do that, then, then the PR and the politics tends to fall into line. Uh, where, where we get in trouble is, is where, we're, where we deny um, the, the reality of of, 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 a changing, uh, of changing attitudes, changing country and and changing challenges um and it's 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 no um you know it's no crime to admit that the things we did in the past might not be suitable to the to 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 the the way the world is now or it's going to be in the future of course they're going to change Um, and change is challenging but it's also critically important
1: and i suppose that's it isn't it it's it's an image that you know the industry needs to to project as particularly, I think with with beef farming coming under so much uh, pressure and, and criticism from from the outside it 's about you know getting that image out there of sustainable production
4: absolutely image and perception, and we know actually you know, on the one hand you know there 's this this sort of narrative which is growing up around uh, around beef and, and this is a really important part of this discussion because that has been driven a lot of that has undoubtedly been driven by by what's a, what, what what some people see as a very valuable market. <laughs> And attempt, to, and attempt to move into it but on the one hand we've got this sort of you know beef is bad thing but on the other you know you, when you when you come from a, a conservation perspective look at regenerative farming the rest of it well, well cattle are absolutely central to that i mean no there a big part of the discussion is there are far few far too few cattle in in, in many parts of the country so so um you know it, it is about perception and it's also about you know it's also about ensuring that um that the, the that the way we um, uh, farm is something that we're able to promote um, productively, and 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 something that people want to buy into, um, and they do. You know, I I don't. You know, I don't. You know, they're. they're I, I I obviously believe that the public um, are um, you know a, a wholly engaged with the, with the farming community, um, but they're but. the the, the challenges to to ensure that they understand that what they buy and sorry the the challenges uh, to for for the public to understand that their buying preferences where they put their pound in their pocket you know can have a really significant impact on on the way the countryside is managed and the way farmers are able to 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 take farming forward and take and 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 and, and nurture the countryside and 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 that's something that you know comes back to perception um, and you know, it's, it's,
0: it's the, the power of the supermarkets in, in this is,
4: is difficult to overstate.
0: Thanks to Alex, Sophie, Richard and Tim for that. It will definitely be a huge issue that will dominate the farming agenda for years to come and there is definitely an onus on farmers and retailers and other players in the supply chain to work together to ensure that the net zero journey can be a smooth one. Well, that's it for this week, thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to keep up to date with all the latest episodes of Over the Farm Gate. We'll be back next Tuesday, but from all of us at Farmers Guardian, thank you for listening, we hope you stay safe and well, and bye for now.